Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pilgrim Devotion. I am your host, Michael Howard, the senior pastor of Seaford Baptist Church, and this podcast is for anyone inside or outside of Seaford Baptist Church who's living the pilgrim life, representing the kingdom of God in the kingdom of man. And well, I'm say it again. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. Merry Christmas to you all. I hope that you are enjoying the holiday season. I hope that you are enjoying Advent, looking back, remembering the first coming of Christ and looking forward to his second coming. And one of my favorite things about this time of the year is that eh, around December 1st, Spotify lets me know what I've been listening to uh, throughout the calendar year of 2023. And true story here, I actually became a Spotify user because of this. So if that was their plan, it worked. Okay, I was Apple all the way. I, I used Apple Music and Apple Podcasts, which now looking back, I'm like, it's insane that I was using two apps instead of just using one app for both of those things, as I now do with Spotify. This is not a commercial for Spotify, all right? I'm sure there are plenty of problems we could find with Spotify, but uh, we're thankful for them hosting this podcast for free. I'd like to say that, uh, or at least for letting us post it for free. And they're thankful for it, too, because they enjoy our free content. So <laughs> it, everybody's scratching everybody's back here in the Spotify world. But bottom line is is wherever you get your podcast is fine. Uh, I enjoy getting them from Spotify, and I started getting them from Spotify pretty much because of Wrapped. All these people in, I, I want to say it was 2019 maybe. I think it was 2019. They started putting up these Wrapped things where it was showing, you know, what they had listened to throughout the year. Maybe it was 2020. I don't know. But bottom line is I saw it, and I was so... I, I wanted it. I was jealous of it. I'll be honest. I was like, I, I want to know what I've been listening to. How come Apple's not sending me, you know, cool little screenshots telling me my top five songs? And so I switched, I switched to Spotify because of this. I did. Now, I knocked around in it for like a week and realized that, I, that, in my opinion, it was a superior app to what Apple's offering up. And so I jumped over to it. But, but yeah, I, I was converted to Spotify through the whole wrapped ploy. It worked on me. And so I, I enjoy it every year. For example, it came out uh, last week, and my Spotify rap for the year, it's kind, of, it's kind of funny. So my number one artist was Keith and Kristen Getty, and that is the fault of Pastor Ben Little, our worship pastor. He, is, he, is, he has brought me into the Getty waters and baptized me by immersion. Uh, I'm a huge Getty's fan now. I've always liked them, but since Ben's arrival... Uh, I've started to appreciate them more, and now they really are probably my favorite artists to listen to on a regular basis. I find myself going back to them over and over again and truly enjoy their music. Witch Hazel, which is a Christian kind of like soaring melodic metal band, and I say Christian, only only the lead singer of the band is actually a believer. That's my understanding, or maybe two of them are believers, but two of the guys in the band are not believers, but they do make Christian music, and I love it. I really like that band, uh, Selah, which, you know, that really it makes me feel like I'm a, a boomer or something. No offense to our boomers that are listening, but Selah is not exactly like a millennial sort of group. But man, they sing, they, they can sing their hearts out. Like they, their harmonies are so good, so tight. Wonderful selection of hymns. I love Selah. Hymns of Grace. Uh, Hymns of Grace is something I just started listening to this year because I got the Hymns of Grace hymn book. So I started listening to all the Hymns of Grace recordings. A lot of it's just like Bob Coughlin leading at uh, Shepherd's Conferences out at John MacArthur's church. But I really enjoy uh, the Hymns of Grace 
uh, everything that they put out there. I really enjoyed listening to. I enjoyed the live stuff more than the studio stuff. The studio stuff actually is kind of hard for me, but I love listening to the live stuff, and I do often. And then my number five artist was WWE, which is hilarious because I like to listen to wrestling entrance music as I work out, uh, as I exercise. And then my top songs were His Robes for Mine, which is a Hymns of Grace uh, hymn. At least uh, that's the version of it I've been listening to. Angel of Light, which is a Witch Hazel song. The Fire's Control, also Witch Hazel. The King and All His Beauty uh, Keith and Kristen Getty, I guess I went hard on that song this year. And then uh, He Wears a Crown, which is actually a song by a guy named uh, Brian McCleary. He's a worship leader. And I probably don't have a ton in common with him theologically, but I do really enjoy that song, and I, I tend to wear it out. I listen to it a lot. So I won't share with you just how many minutes of Spotify I listen to. Now, I, I will. I'll tell you. I don't mind telling you. It was 25,000 minutes, all right? 25,912 minutes to be exact. And and a lot of that is grass cutting, it's exercise, it's it's showering, it's driving down the road, it's listening to a sermon while I play a video game here and there. So uh, I really love Spotify and I love YouTube for the same reasons. Uh, and I love learning from those things and also being entertained by them. So yeah, that's my Spotify wrapped for the year. And here's what I thought. I thought, man, it'd be a lot of fun to do this for like the world. So this is going to be the first annual Pilgrim Devotion, The World Wrapped, Spotify, The World Wrapped. And we're going to talk about what were the top things that the world was into this year. And I'm going to do movies. I'm going to do songs. I'm going to do books. So I'm going to do top three movies, top three songs, top two books, one fiction, one nonfiction. And then we're going to look into the top three most popular new apps people are using on phones and on tablets and on desktops. We are going to look at the what is the top YouTube video of the year and see what that says about us as a people. And then the low-key, really important thing that you probably ignored from the year. So that's going to be our categories for our Spotify, no, not our Spotify wrapped, I'm sorry, for our Pilgrim Devotion wrapped, the world wrapped. Are we ready? Well, here we go. It's time. The first annual World Wrapped begins with the movies. Let's talk about the movies. Let's talk about the top three uh, highest grossing movies from 2023. Number one was Barbie. It was the Barbie movie. Now, I have not seen uh, the Barbie movie, so I cannot speak to the quality of it, and I certainly am not endorsing the messaging nor am I doing that with anything that I'm talking about today. I'm simply yet letting you know what people out there watched. This movie brought in $1.4 billion worldwide, which is incredible. It brought in $636 million domestic. Only two movies in the world brought in one point, uh, over a million dollars, or sorry, over a billion dollars worldwide. So uh, Barbie was one, and then our second movie, which I'll get to in a moment, was the other but Barbie was a movie by, by, if you listen to some people, they'll tell you it was just, you know, uh, an opportunity for feminism to raise its voice again. Others will tell you it was a movie about self-discovery and how ideas can live forever and how everyone has value. Uh, some people say this is a movie about how Ken cannot exist without Barbie. Some will tell you it's a Barbie, uh, a Barbie movie that is about misogyny. Or a Barbie movie about how Barbie is every woman, right? There's lots of things that people have said about this movie. And, you know, I'm not really here to get into the ins and outs of it. 
really more just say what what does the Barbie movie say to us about the culture? I think it says that people like nostalgia. I think that's one thing. I think people have a real attachment to the brands of their youth, and that may speak to a dissatisfaction with the present. I think that the Barbie movie certainly had a message from from everything I read about it online, positive and negative. I think it had a message of live your truth, you know, a love letter to yourself, be true to yourself, that sort of thing, which is right in line with the exaltation of self that we do see in our culture today. And so the combination of nostalgia and the value of self, along with some commentary on on gender norms, right? I think all that is a, a cocktail for a lot of people to go see a movie. And it had a cast also that uh, certainly attracted eyeballs. So Barbie was number one. Number two, you had the Super Mario Brothers movie. This is the other movie that brought in over a billion dollars worldwide, $1.3 billion worldwide, $574 million domestic. I did see the Super Mario Brothers uh, movie. It's a movie about perseverance, a movie about teamwork and courage, and certainly a movie that pulled on the nostalgic heartstrings. I think that, you know, you had moms and dads that played the Mario games growing up on a variety of systems, sitting there watching the movie with their kids who are currently playing it on their Nintendo Switches, and everyone is reacting together to Easter eggs and to different things that are in the film. And so it was a lot of fun to see, had a positive message. It was uh, an incredibly uh, clean film. But again, I do think there's something to the fact that Barbie and Super Mario Brothers gives us an escape to our past. And I think that many are eager to find that escape, myself included at times, because we may be disillusioned with the present. And I'm not talking necessarily about disillusioned with the present in terms of you want to quit your job, right? And, and you want to do something else with your life and you're living in depression and despair. You might be. You might be. And if so, we've got three questions for you at the end of this podcast. But I'm more just talking about... Uh, just even maybe disillusioned with entertainment. Just like I'm bored by everything that's out there today. I want to watch stuff that connects me back to my childhood when I actually used to enter, in, enjoy the entertainment that was put before my eyes. So th there's a lot of reasons people want to escape to the past, but I do think Barbie and Super Mario Brothers and, and the success of them speaks to a desire for us to, to find uh, a refuge in, in nostalgia. So, uh, and then the third movie this year that caused uh, quite a stir and caused a lot of people to open their wallets was Oppenheimer, which made $950 million worldwide, or $325 million domestic. And Oppenheimer was about the, uh, the atomic bomb and about the creation of it as well as the dropping of it. Though the dropping of it, uh, not as big of a part of the movie, the bigger part of the movie had to do with the creation of it. And the movie really had a lot to say about, I think, you know, human depravity in the sense that Oppenheimer really thought that this bomb would bring world peace. What he underestimated is that people's depravity will always cause them to choose power over peace because people are selfish. And so as soon as people saw this thing, all they could think about is how to weaponize it for the sake of power and profit. It wasn't about peace. 
And I think that, you know, the film conveyed the regret that he had really about the entire situation and also showed a bit of the callousness and the lack of understanding of the people who actually dropped the thing uh, in terms of, you know, the devastation that it caused and maybe the impact that was going to have on the world going forward. And, and so interesting commentary in the past that you may or may not agree with, but I think that there was a commentary on human depravity there that is actually consistent with what we see in the Bible. And yet it's a film that marred itself with unnecessary uh, sex scenes. And so that alone, that in itself, in and of itself, is a commentary on uh, the culture. So Barbie, Super Mario Brothers, Oppenheimer, those are your three big movies here uh, from the world wrapped. Those are your highest grossing films from 2023. Now let's go on to songs. And I had to look some of these things up. Uh, so I'm going to play just a bit of the first one because... I can. This is a clean version. I think I can only. I can only play like a snippet of it, or Spotify will get mad and, and take down our stuff. But let's see. I guess you can hear that. It's uh. This is Morgan Wallen. The song's called "Last Night." All right, that's all I need to hear. I am not a fan of that sort of country music. Um, yeah, doesn't appeal to me. There, there is country music that I like. Uh, there's country music that I'm very fond of. Morgan Wallen would not be it. That's just my. That's just me. All right. If I just offended you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I might offend you more as we keep talking. This is the first country song though to rule the roost since 1981. This is at the top of the Billboard charts uh, for the year, and it's the first time that a country artist or a country song has done that since 1981. So that, that's that's. You know, uh, that stands out, right? It's been a long time. Stands out. So this song was immensely popular this year. What is it about? Uh, well, Last Night is a song about, you know, how the night before a couple of people let the liquor talk. And it describes things done in the bedroom that I'm not going to describe on this podcast. It's got some profanity in it. And the bridge of the song, you know, is pretty much about codependent relationships <laughs> the song's about like a broken relationship that can't stop and uh, I think that you know it kind of portrays this message of like or conveys this message of like love is a fight you know true love you got to fight for it and uh, I, I I have found true love to 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 have to, to not necessarily be something that needs to have a bunch of unhealthy toxic fights in order for it to exist but that that kind of is the the feel of the song. Uh, then we have our second song on the Billboard list, which was Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Now, again, this is not a song I really know. Uh, I'm going to play just a second of it. Seems to not be an explicit song. It's playing. Taking a second. Here, I'll scrub forward. Watched it burn. A little bit of a dance tune. All right. So kind of have a sad message to this song, but not necessarily a, a sad uh, sort of like beat to it. But it, it's about how um, 
you know, a woman can really have everything with herself that she had with this man, especially a guy who he seems less than great. Okay. But the song, I think it's really about like completion found in love of the self as opposed to loving like whoever this toxic guy is. And then the third song, uh, Kill Bill by SZA. Now, I'm going to be flat honest with you, Pilgrim Devotion audience. I didn't know who SZA was. And I talked to my wife about this. And I said, yeah, so it's like the third song is this Kill Bill by SZA. And she was like, you mean SZA? And I was like, I'm really glad I didn't get on the podcast and say SZA. I don't mind making fun of myself about it now. But if I had just like in, in all seriousness said SZA only to be mocked by people endlessly afterwards, that would have been... It would have been a small blow, a small blow to uh, to me. Uh, but yeah, SZA, Kill Bill by SZA, which is a reimagining of the story of the Kill Bill movies, uh, the Quentin Tarantino movies with Uma Thurman. And it talks about, you know, might kill my ex, rather be uh, in, in jail than be alone, might kill his girlfriend next. It's not good. It's not good. Uh, so it's a violent song uh, about vengeance and it's kind of got this message of if I can't have you then you know nobody's going to have you and 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 that sort of attitude is serious it's serious and can lead to death like you hear about murder suicides where a scorned lover will go and kill uh, their ex murder their ex and maybe sometimes the person that ex is now with and then kill themselves those sorts of things happen all the time. It's really dark and horrible stuff, and I uh, and so the song talks about really that sort of thing lightly when it's 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 really not light. But what all three of these songs have in common is a distorted view of love. Like if we're just considering in the world wrapped, what do these songs say? It's all conveying a distorted view of love, right? Codependency, uh, and then. Completion is found in love of self. And then if I can't have you, no one will. It's all distorted views of love. It doesn't represent certainly the way that God loves us and the way we're supposed to love him or the way that we're supposed to love one another or what you know real, good, true uh, love looks like in a relationship between a man and woman that's either moving toward a godly marriage or is a godly marriage that we would uh that you know we would see virtues for that sort of uh the virtues that that are the foundation for that sort of relationship in the scriptures we would also see instructions on how to live in that sort of relationship in the scriptures and we would see that the cornerstone of that sort of relationship is the Lord Jesus Christ himself and the way that he uh shows us what sacrificial love is and None of these songs convey those things. It's all a distorted view of love. So, uh, And then we have our books for the year. So those are our movies, those are our songs. Then we get to our books for the year. We have The Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros, which is a fiction book. You know, it's this like, it, it's kind of like the movie Gladiator plus Dungeons and Dragons uh, put together. You know, th that's The Iron Flame. It's this addictive fantasy romance. I have not read it. I'm just telling you what the internet says about it. Uh, secondly, we have our nonfiction bestseller of the year, The Woman in Me, by none other than uh, the, the prolific writer, Britney Spears. And what does it say to us that this, this book sold so well this year and that people are still so obsessed with her and, uh, and the whole situation that she was in with her family 
you know, what does it say about us? Well, I think it shows the desire that we have to know some salacious kind of hidden things. I think it shows the obsession we have with celebrity and the train wreck nature of human beings that when there's a train wreck, we rubberneck and we, we can't stop looking. Uh, we're fascinated by it, maybe because it makes us feel better about our own lives. Also think there's something nostalgic in it to kind of escape to the past, to this, to the story of this person we were very interested in in the past. So The Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros, an addictive fantasy romance. Again, a little bit of escapism there. Uh, I, I don't know how fantasy romance this fantasy romance is. Some of those books can be incredibly lustful and are pretty much just porn. They're pornographic without the, the actual uh, images, right? But the images are still being conjured up in your mind, and that certainly uh, can and, and, and probably will produce lustful thoughts. And so I don't think that that sounds like a book that should be read uh, lightly by a believer. Again, this is the world wrapped, okay? And then uh, just quickly, kind of on the technology side of things, our most popular new apps this year, Grammarly, which is AI help to write without mistakes. I'm actually consider, considering getting that. I've got a few preacher friends of mine that use it. They say it's great. Hi, Bob, which is an HR tool uh, that's supposed to like make onboarding of new employees super easy, make workflows, performance management, all that stuff really streamlined. And then Notion, which is a one-stop shop for note-taking. So AI help for writing, HR tool for onboarding workflows and performance management, and a one-stop shop for note-taking. Speed and proficiency in the professional life. This is what people are after. Save time, do more. And I think that this speaks to the nature of the workplace on the other side of COVID and on the other side of 2020. Top YouTube video of the year, The Baby Shark Dance, 13.3 billion views. You know who's watching that? Your kids. That's who's watching that. Our tablets are raising our children. No, I'm not looking. I'm not going to pound on us about that. Uh, <laughs> although, although, isn't it true? Isn't it true that the reason the baby shark dance is the most viewed video is because our kids have those tablets in their hands so often? And the smallest of them will run a video like that into the ground over and over and over and over. And they do. And so uh, my daughter's got baby shark pajamas. All right. Uh, she loves baby shark. At least she did in the past. And she still has like an affinity for it, even though she's kind of moved out of the, the, the baby shark pink fong sort of world. But I do think that that shows that, you know, the videos that are out there that are being watched are being watched by, there's a lot of stuff being watched by our children. Our children are taking in the content of YouTube, being proven by the fact that the, the highest, you know, the most viewed, videoed, uh, most viewed video for the year was a children's video. And so we have to be aware of that, that little eyes are watching through the windows of these tablets. What are they seeing? What are they seeing? And then the low key, really important thing you probably ignored was, just happened over the last month. Sam Altman was fired by OpenAI, ChatGPT, and then he was brought back less than a week later. He was fired on November 17th. Uh, OpenAI is too profit-driven, and we need to value safety over profits, and Altman cares too much about profits. That was kind of like the narrative that was going on there, but then the investors wanted Altman back. Surprise, surprise, because they're about the profits. He returns on November 22nd, and this is a big moment in the AI situation because it seems like 
there could be some safety loss, some privacy loss. Like maybe maybe cybersecurity is not going to be as, as as important as we would all hope in this AI uh, process. Now I'm sure that Altman and and his ilk would deny all of this, but you know what what's going on with the poor data that the AI can spit out at times. I can go on ChatGPT and be like, give me a synonym that starts with G for I don't know for disgusting. And it will say a synonym that starts with G for disgusting is dirty. <laughs> and you're like, well, that doesn't start with G. And so sometimes it's given poor data. Uh, then what happens when it doesn't give poor data? And we're talking about AI surpassing human intelligence. What's up with the fact that it feels like a small number of people are making really important decisions for all of human civilization on this stuff? These are important questions to ask in the whole AI conversation. And there are some who don't feel like Altman is necessarily the best character uh, for those who would want to pump the brakes and value safety over profits. And yet he's a big mover and shaker, obviously. So that was a low-key, really important thing that happened that you probably ignored that could have far-reaching effects for years to come, decades to come, you know, centuries to come, depending on when the Lord Jesus returns. And to wrap all this up on this Spotify world rap stuff, I think particularly when we're talking about movies like Barbie and Mario Brothers and Oppenheimer and songs by Morgan Wallen and SZA and The Iron Flame and The Woman in Me, um, one thing that this year I think that the Lord is, has worked on me on is as Christians, you know, the world will say things like, well, just, you know, you like that movie. I don't like that movie, right? The Godfather's beautiful to you. It's not beautiful to me, Okay. Uh, my big fat Greek wedding is is a great piece of art to you. It's not a great piece of art to me. And as Christians, we can fall into that. And we can think that all art is subjective. But as I was considering this world wrapped business, I was thinking about uh, Scott Annual's Culture Makers chapter in his book Citizens and Exiles, which I highly recommend. Uh, we talk about the Two Kingdoms stuff. I was getting into with uh, Pastor Kenny Van Horn. I would highly recommend uh, Citizens and Exiles to look into the Two Kingdoms. Uh, teaching Two Kingdoms Theology. Dr. Engel breaks it down for, for laymen in a really, uh, really good and accessible way. But he talks about how, you know, as Christians, we need to basically determine whether or not art is beautiful with the standard of, is it in accordance with sound doctrine? He says, this is the importance of culture making for Christians. Through creating art, Christians are able to communicate and cultivate interpretations of God's world that accord with sound doctrine through beauty. An artistic expression is a person's interpretation of ideas in concrete forms. So when you hear Last Night by Morgan Wallen or Flowers by Miley Cyrus or you watch the movie Barbie, you are not just listening to a song or watching a movie, but you are taking in a person's interpretation of ideas in a concrete form. That's what you're doing. And the question that Dr. Annual says we must always ask is, does the interpretation of reality in this work conform or fail to conform uh, to Christian doctrine? And if it fails to conform, then we wouldn't say it's beautiful, right? And we might even determine, in fact, we should be discerning enough to determine most of the time before we go and watch something is this going to be beautiful enough for me to take in? Is it going to be edifying? And is it going to help me to interpret this world and this life in a way that is glorifying to God? 
Uh, he says, Christians are afraid to affirm and defend absolute beauty in the same way we do absolute truth and morality. We have been brought into the modernist idea that beauty is in the eye of the beholder and the postmodern multicultural agenda that argues art is merely neutral contextualization of a given civilization. I don't think that we should only watch movies created by Angel Studios and only listen to Christian music. That's not what I'm arguing here. But I do think that we should be discerning based on whether or not something is going to be in accordance with sound doctrine and, and based on whether or not something is going to be objectively beautiful. And I think that on the other side of observing art, we sure, certainly should be judging it by whether or not it is in accordance with sound doctrine and therefore objectively beautiful. Because we as believers believe uh, that truth is beautiful because truth comes from God. And and that, that God, that, that any truth that, that we get from him, right, that, that's tr anything that's actually true, it's going to be edifying to us, and it's going to help us to glorify God and enjoy God, which is our chief end. And so we want truth, we find truth to be beautiful, and it should be our standard as we are judging art. And I think that coming out of this year, after reading Dr. Angel's book, I think that I'm probably going forward for myself, for my family, for our church, just be a bit more discerning, not legalistic. No, I don't want to be legalistic, but to be a bit more discerning on the front and back end with, with God's word being our objective standard that we use to determine whether or not art is beautiful. I think we can do that. I think that we capitulated to the culture a bit, you know, just as Christian people and seeing things, as he said, with those modernist eyes or those postmodern eyes. So anyways, that's your world wrapped for 2023. I hope you enjoyed it. Christian, I hope that you are doing well. How is your soul? Are you in despair, as we talked about earlier in the podcast? How is your soul doing? Also, how is God's grace at work in your life? How would you like to see his grace at work in your life? You consider these questions and consider your answers to those questions and you feel like you need to talk to a pastor, please reach out to us. Connect at SeafordBaptist.com. I would love to speak with you, to offer you pastoral help, or to try to connect you to someone in your area who could be a faithful pastor to your soul and could provide you with some pastoral counsel and some pastoral help. So anyways, that's The World Wrapped. We will hopefully see you back next week, or you will hear us next week, and you will come back next week. But until then... Keep living the pilgrim life.